year. It's Sensory Overload. I'm John. And I'm Allie. And we're back. It's 2020 for you guys. Right now, it's still December for us because we're recording this. I hope you had lots of fun. I hope you had moments of genuine peace and grace and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know the reality. It's both, you know? It's like, um, I always think of uh, most things as the best of times and the worst of times, but I think especially things like the holidays or family trips are definitely the best and worst of times. Yep. So now the holidays are over. You've got the New Year's Eve hangover, and it's time to pay the piper. Like we told you last time, we're going to lecture you now. But <laughs> But before we get started, I'd like to remind everybody, you can write us at sensoryoverloadpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to sensoryoverloadpodcast.com, and it'll click into all of our social media what's-esses. Yes, please uh, share widely, subscribe, worship upon us, Yeah, send fruit baskets, whatever you find appropriate, especially the fruit baskets where they have like the chocolate-covered fruit. I want that. Bow your heads. <laughs> All right. As uh, some of you may remember, back in the early days of our journey, we have been diagnosed. We had started a uh, program with Bethany over in uh, Torrance called Pediatric Minds. We were sort of learning a lot in one whole summer, uh, and we were still trying to maintain our sanity. Um, Sorry, I'm still laughing over the learning a lot over one whole summer. It sounds like an 80s movie. Yes, our, our exactly. Our one crazy summer with autism treatment. My crazy summer of autism. Starring John Cusack. <laughs> Ooh. Do you think that they'll do that? Have a movie about us with John Cusack? Who would play you? Oh. Uh, Ooh, I know. Mary Stuart Masterson. Oh, that's nice. With a pixie haircut and uh, bleach blonde hair. Yeah, that's extremely me. But I really appreciate the confidence. <laughs> Um, so we had just gotten, you know, we were still only a couple months down the road of, of diagnosis. And uh, my brother and uh, Ali's friend, Jen, our both of our friend, Jen, both of them did us a kindness. At least they did me a kindness where they both uh, separately pulled me aside uh, at one point and said, hey, just so you know, you and Ali uh, may want to actually start looking into therapists of your own, like before things get really bad. And I was like, oh, Hey, that's a great idea. <laughs> okay, I want to pause for a second and just point out, note that when our friends said something hard to us out of love, we didn't just go, fuck you, you don't know our journey, you don't know our struggle, I don't have time for that shit, which I understand. <laughs> I understand where that comes from. But um, since it's the new year, let's talk about, you know, personal projects, goals, ways to make ourselves and our families and our personal and professional goals feel better, go better. One of those is with what we did here. Yeah. We don't usually hand out like strict advice. We make suggestions or tell you stories about what we've done and tried and sort of say, well, maybe it'll work for you. We don't know. But this is one of those like pieces of hard advice we're giving Yes, that we give everybody. Basically, every time on a Facebook group or something, somebody says, oh, my daughter was just diagnosed yesterday. And I always go, first things first, get your own therapist. Because it, yeah. so it sounds sort of counterintuitive, right? Like the idea that, okay, well, you're, right when your kid needs everything, you're going to spend time doing something for yourself. But the thing your kid needs most of all is a sane and uh, well-functioning parent. Yeah. <laughs> That thing, is what they need. I mean, the thing of it is, we're talking about it like, get your therapist like right away. It's like, no, get your kid's therapist first and start going down. The, just don't forget that one of the things on your checklist should be get a therapist for yourself, get a therapist for, you know, however many partners you have in your life, get them separately, get them together. And again, we hadn't had necessarily any problems, but by the time we started having some problems, it was good to have some safeguards in place. 
Absolutely, because by that point, we had a really solid support system. So then when things did start to get extra, extra hard, it was like, oh, we have a place we can go to. Because the thing I always tell people is like, get ahead of it. Like, do it before you have no bandwidth to even research who to go see. You know, like. <laughs> Allie has this funny story she tells, uh, and I'll I'll let her tell it, but I'll lead her into it so she knows what I'm talking about, which is like we had a, uh, like a summer picnic or something, oh. like a barbecue, <laughs> and we invited our friends and family over. And I think, I, I believe that both Jen and Chris, my brother, were at this barbecue, and I believe that they had actually given me the advice long before this, you know, a few weeks before this, but it's funny that we were there all chatting and having a good time when... Uh, Allie had her time. I had, I had a moment. I had a moment, which is basically <laughs> like B was, Bethany was really struggling that day. And I can't remember what the specifics were, but we were also trying to like host friends over. And I just I like found myself flying out of the house into the backyard saying like, I need a therapist. I need a therapist. <laughs> like, I was just so and the, the, hysterical. I was just like, but I was like this. I was just like, I need it. I need it. I wasn't crying. I wasn't screaming. I was just like, it's it's time. I need that. <laughs> <laughs> and we had already been talking about it. So this was not just out of the blue. But it was funny that like everybody who had sort of been in on this decision was there to <laughs> see it and laugh about it. It was uh, good fun. So basically, I mean, the first thing that we decided to do was I was going to look into therapists and then I was going to find a couple of potentials. And then I was going, we were going to, I was going to call them. I was going to give them our, you know, details and stuff. And then we were going to go see the therapist and just sort of audition them and decide, okay, which of these is going to be her therapist and which is going to be mine. You know, the original idea was to find us each a therapist, an individual therapist. And so I went looking uh, and I was looking basically on a, a health insurance website and I was like, okay, anybody who has experience with uh, autism and special needs and the list was extremely small. And then I was oh, like, too small. And yeah. I can't remember what my other like, you know, search uh, uh, criteria was because it was two things. It was basically like special needs and marriage therapy or something like that. It was something along those lines, but I couldn't remember. I can't remember what it was, but it, there was one hit. A single hit. And so I was like, well, uh, okay, I guess I'll give this one a try. And the good news is that's our therapist to that, this day. That it was true love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that we, it was instant true love. We very quickly developed a shorthand. We have similar sense of humor as our therapist. She is magic. So we've been with her now for five years. Yeah. Almost since the beginning. Yeah. So it was like a and, few And months. again, this was supposed to, she was supposed to be just a therapist for one of us, but we met with her together to audition her. And the vibe was just working. So we were just like, well, and she is a marriage therapist. So we're like, well, I mean, let's just stick with this. This seems to be working out just fine. And so we did. And I thought that was a great idea because it's like, even though um, we don't have that situation that happens a lot where it's like the the wife or the mom is usually doing all the little daily details and figuring out all the advocacy and the dad is sort of left not knowing what to do so he sort of checks out it's like we don't um we don't have that situation but at the same time it's like it was nice to i didn't realize at the time how much it was important to have that marriage therapy piece well you know, the, stuff just comes up you yeah know? i mean it was in the beginning it was uh a lot was talking about we still talk a lot about autism and being need, special needs parents but what became obvious over time within the first year is we would talk about autism and it would almost invariably bring up the other problems in our lives like oh you know family stuff or you know stuff in our background or whatever you know or not, work or, or yeah. work yeah it's not getting into specifics but just you know in talking about the problems of being a special needs parents all the other problems would get 
uh, highlighted by that. It's like, well, if you already had this problem, then this is not helping. Yeah, which <laughs> makes sense because most people have stuff going on, you know, even if you don't have any sort of, you know, technically mental illness. It's like you just have lots of stressors and lots of challenges and things you're trying to work on. And so, yeah, it's inevitable that you, you know, <laughs> could use that time with an impartial third party. <laughs> but I, I have to, I mean, I can't, I'm probably going to repeat myself a lot on this, but I can't say it enough. Having someone in our lives early was very helpful because we had already built the background. We'd already built the rapport. We had, you know, and we were still sort you know, we were already stressed out quite a bit, but we were still sort of holding on. And when we started to crack a little bit and both of us have had our moments of cracking, it, it, it yeah. was good to be able to just say, God, God damn it. We're going back to, we're going to go to our therapist and we're going to fight this out or yeah. whatever needed yeah. to be done. You know, yeah. so it was, it was nice to have, it was like, you know, when Bethany broke her leg and we already had a physical therapist and an occupational therapist, it was nice that <laughs> yes. we already had it in place and didn't have to run out and get it yes now i will say real quickly if you're listening to this and you're like i don't have any time to set that up i don't have anything like that if you're really feeling like you're in a bad place enough to where you really can't research a therapist but you're a regional center client or you're some other or your child is a client of some other public service Mm. very often they will offer emergency counseling you just have to call your provider your like service coordinator and let them know also they offer respite a lot of them yes respite is basically uh free specialized based babysitting so it's basically so that the parent gets a break so that the parent stays like a, a nice mommy or daddy <laughs> i mean these are things you should check out anyway respite and 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 emergency uh therapy counseling, counseling. Yeah. yeah these are things you should check out anyway if you feel like you have the need but again having respite has been wonderful oh. for us yeah we use it we've used it for years it's great because it really is a challenge to find a regular babysitter that you that will understand what your child's challenges are and it's all of this like therapy stuff is expensive as hell yeah so getting any kind of break on that is nice because the debt is woo (laughs) so (laughs) yeah we can talk about financial stuff another time but it's definitely it's a big thing and and most families most families struggle no matter what your income is but especially if you're lower income it's like the you know if you don't have family that can do it or family that you feel like is listening to you about how your child you know needs to be helped um is it respite is great yeah so i highly recommend yeah i mean respite and that's what it's there for is specifically stuff like this so you can go and get you know, help that you need so that you can be there for your kid when it's necessary. So you can use respite to go to therapy, for example. You can yes. use respite to go to Target by yourself. You can use respite to go upstairs and take a nap. Yes. Uh, you can use respite to go on date nights. Highly recommend. That's yes. a lot of what we use it for. Most of the time, finding a therapist or finding a babysitter takes a little time. It sucks because you're doing 16,000 other things, but just see it through. I promise it will be worth it. <laughs> and do it before the bitterness sets in, if at all possible. All of our friends who are therapists have said that so often couples will come in too late. Yes. They the- come in basically to break up because they're not, because <laughs> they haven't like, they haven't come in to like hit that stuff off at the pass. So yes. they're, they're coming in and they're just like, you never and you always, you know? Yeah. Uh, they, a lot of therapists will say that people will come in. Uh, when their house is on fire asking for water to put it out and it's like well if you'd have come when the house had started on fire maybe but now it's burning to the ground and you expect me to you know use this thimble of water to help you out yeah i mean and still still come in whenever but it's definitely more effective if you do it before stuff starts to get intense yes when you're still on each other's side yes (laughs) when you're still a team yes um 
but yeah, and so we've had uh, a very uh, good marriage therapist for since the beginning. Um, but sometimes that's not enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, during the course of, uh, you can see, we were going to therapy uh, fairly regularly, you know, once every month or every two weeks if things were really hectic um, in life and we needed help. Yeah. We started like weekly, though. I mean, they will start you more frequently. And then if things are going well, then they'll start to, you know, lay it off a bit. Yeah. Uh, and for the first couple of years it was going great and that seemed like oh this is all we need and everything's going fine and then i don't know what happened like we seem to have hit it, it for me it seemed to come at a point where like things were actually going better we had figured out a lot of her therapies we had gotten uh, a lot of questions resolved she was in a school that we liked we had f basically you know all the emergency patch jobs that we had been doing for the first you know two or three years everything had been sort of patched and then we were able to say okay now we can start working on the the stuff that needs working on you know we can build for the future and not have to worry about you know the immediate present and for some reason that just triggered in me just this odd like i mean i had i'm guessing it's just because i had a minute to sit back and breathe and think about things and it's like oh here's your new normal like this is the way it is for now right yeah. i mean i had been upset since the beginning because sure. a lot of what i and a lot of fathers i i hear tend to worry about is they look at like very macro pictures they look at like oh Will my son or daughter be able to have a relationship when they're older? Will they be able to live by themselves? Will they be able to hold a job? What will life be like for them when they're in their 20s, their 30s? What's going to happen to them after I die? That's you know, the big one that's consumed you, I know. It, and that, that, and, that one. And for yeah. me, that one became a point of obsession. I became, I, I, for whatever reason, I had, I had been thinking about it, but it just was like, well, we, you know, I, we're in the moment and I can't think about it now. And because things were going well and we sort of had a minute to step back and see how she had been progressing and how things were going, I got really bummed out because I was like, oh, man, what if she can't take care of herself? What if this happens? What if? And I would, you know. I, I, our therapist says it's because I'm a writer and, you know, one of the things that writers do is they, you know, for their jobs, they imagine worst case scenarios. So what I would do is I would obsess on worst case scenarios. It's like, oh, well, what if she gets raped and has to have a baby and uh, she's not, you know, able to raise a child? And then what do we do? And it just like, again, I was having I was running these scenarios in my head all day, every day, and I couldn't stop myself. And so I was getting really bummed out. And I, you know, I am guessing uh, just. As a matter of course, I also have some sort of depression in there anyway. Yeah, you've always had like like a little like a little streak a of little, the anxiety little... of de and depression that's always kind of like popping up here and there. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think I've always had the artistic depression that you know fuels our work. <laughs> um, however, for whatever reason, this really hit me in a in a bad way. I don't know why, particularly this, or if it's you know just you know I'm getting older or whatever, but just. I, I I no longer had bandwidth and I was uh, losing my shit and <laughs> yeah he was he was yelling more he was more checked out it was a whole thing and and you know it's it's yeah it was hard but the the great thing that you did though is that when when our therapist and I and other people were saying John well <laughs> what happened was is we went you <laughs> didn't just go fuck you you don't know me and my struggle you were like oh am I well what happened is we went into you know Allie had said well we're going to talk about this the next time we go into marriage therapy and I was like fine whatever <laughs> and we went into therapy and our therapist asked well uh, you know Allie brings up a good point what do you think about this and I launched into this like five minute monologue about all my worries and concerns of the future and I don't even remember half of it because mm -hmm. I went into a zone like a fugue state <laughs> I, I, I disappeared up my own ass somewhere and I remember coming out of it and looking at <laughs> Allie and, and our therapist eyes and 
you know, Allie's eyes were like wide as saucers and our therapist was sort of like, and you know, she's a therapist, so she's trained not to do this, but I could see that she was looking at me in a way that she hadn't before. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Was that all out loud? <laughs> and but our, I was, I was kind of like, I know this is fucked up, but I was kind of thrilled because it's like, I, you know, you want, it's like, uh, it's like with your kid, right? Like if you have your ABA therapist, that's when you want them to throw a fit because then you see um, where they can go. Like then they can help your kid just like right. our therapist could then help john because could, me going in there and saying he's freaking out at home and i don't think he realizes how much he's freaking out right. and i don't know how else to help him because he's not hearing me exactly so the fact that you then kind of freaked out in front of her yeah i think was, gave her permission to help you and could see what it was yes the great thing was she was very uh, i remember this part very uh vividly she said ah so I see you've been white knuckling it for quite some time, haven't you? And I was yes. like, yes. And then her saying it made me go, oh, yes, I have. Oh, yeah. And I bet <laughs> you if you're a parent and you're listening to this, you're like, right. That right. is maybe some of you are thinking I have been white knuckling. And I think it's really, really common. I think it's oh, very yeah. difficult to avoid. So, you know, and I've definitely had my white knuckling moments, too. But I feel like they're in kind of smaller bursts. Yeah. But well, um, also, also, I'm very expressive, so I don't really white knuckle. I more just freak out sometimes. <laughs> She's also gone to her own therapist, so it's not like she hasn't done this, folks. Oh, yeah. No, I have. Yeah. So this year, I actually finally did get my own therapist. It took me a while to do it just because of that thing where, I mean, maybe there was some deeper psychological things, but mostly it was the thing where it was like, oh, I'm always doing stuff for my daughter. I need to sit down and really take 10 minutes to research what our insurance you know covers and what the you know what providers are in our area and like make appointments and stuff like that so it's like but i did do that and i did it for most of the year and then um i at least temporarily have graduated um <laughs> but uh but i don't look at it as something that like now i'm done check that off the list it's maintenance so it's like i feel like i'm in a good place now so i don't feel like i need that but i definitely want to stay in marriage therapy and maybe later down the line i'll go back into individual and that is fine yeah. Well, it was good for me because um, I went into individual therapy and I think uh, our therapist saw this, saw the writing on the wall because she's like, you need to maybe look at somebody. Not only do you need to look at your individual uh, therapy, but you need to find someone who maybe can uh, prescribe medicine. Yes. <laughs> because you may find it. Uh, easier and I did I, I found um, a therapist an individual therapist who will a listen to me individually when I need to uh, bitch and moan and B will give me sweet sweet candy <laughs> now keep in mind an MFT can't prescribe meds so they will have to refer you to like a I forget if it's a psychiatrist or a psychologist that can do that but you will need that referral right so. well that's how and basically that's how I got it was uh, was our marriage therapist I auditioned several different therapists uh, and I was on uh, such uh, such a tightrope that at the time, even people that I was like, I don't think I'm going to use this as my regular person. I started like openly like weeping in these therapy sessions because I was just it, it just was hard for me to keep admitting over and over like I'm having real troubles and I am worried. I'm so worried about my daughter right now. I, it's keeping me from functioning properly. Um but luckily, none of them were like, this shocks me. I have never seen such behavior. <laughs> out. Right. Get out of my office immediately. Uh, aberration. No, they were like, oh, then, okay, this this sounds about right. It sounds like you guys have been under a lot of pressure, and certainly uh, you could use some help. So, uh, But it was it, it was rough auditioning therapists because, it, you know, it's hard. They're all, they're all of them were good. It just was like finding somebody who I felt like vied with me. And we mentioned this earlier that, you know, our marriage therapist gets our sense of humor. 
for me, that was a big one is like I had I sort of wanted to find a therapist who was kind of not going to not going to molly coddle me. But at the same time, not talk about the journey too much with you. Yeah, Yeah. just I mean, not 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 be not flowery. I mean, just tell you know, tell me things that it's like, okay, you need to think of like a whole, you know, holistic this and a whole person that or whatever. Which and everything, you know, everybody has their own style. So, you know, look for the person that suits your style. Maybe you want that holistic whole person stuff. But for John, he would just laugh at them if they said that. So everybody's different, you know, find the thing that works for you. I can't I mean, I can't remember specifically uh, what it was about the therapist that I found, but there was the thing, you know, they all have to ask you the same kind of questions when you first sign up for therapy. You have a questionnaire that's basically like, hey, what's your history? What you do this? How much do you weigh? What kind of, you know. How many times have you thought about offing yourself? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but all of them are, are like, you know, how much do you drink and how many drugs do you do? And please, basically. please be honest. Be honest about that stuff because you're there to get help. If you're not being honest, you're going to waste like a month or months or years of your therapy work by not telling them the truth. Yeah. Absolutely. But the funny thing is, is I'm, you know, I didn't do this on purpose, but I just sort of ended up pretty straight. I don't drink that much. No, you don't do any of that. And I don't really, you know, I don't do drugs and I'm not, you know, it's not like I said to myself, I will never poison my body. The body is the temple. I was just sort of like, eh. I'm fine. But I would put, you know, so the the questionnaires were like, well, how often do you drink and how often do you do drugs? And I was like, well, I drink every so often and I don't do drugs. And like every because I had longer hair at the time and, you know, I kind of looked a certain, you know, big beard. I, I looked a he certain, looked like he was in Sons of Anarchy. I looked like Charles Manson is what she means to say. No, <laughs> no, I do not mean to say that. OK, I didn't have the cross tattooed on my head. Yeah, but. no, you're a teddy bear. You're just a long haired teddy bear at the time. But anyway, I looked like a, I looked like a stoner, basically. And I would go into these uh, therapy. I'd go into these therapists, and I would say, "Oh, I don't really do drugs." And all of them sort of like would ask the question like twice. Would be like, "So do you do drugs?" I was like, "No, I really don't." And they'd be like, "Are you sure?" And I was like, "I know what I look like, but I don't do drugs. <laughs> really, I don't. It's not. Again, I'm not hiding it from you. I'm not. You know, I have done. You know, some things in the past as a kid, but it, you know, it just never really uh, turned into anything. Now, you know, okay. But my therapist, you know, the one that I ended up sticking with, he was like, "You don't do drugs." <laughs> Like I would have understood it, dude. That was the thing is he didn't ask me like, he didn't ask me like, you don't, you're not lying about it. He was like, you don't do any drugs? Like none? How are you getting by? It's like, it's like, what are you doing? Why it's not? Like, no wonder you're white knuckling. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Do not some, even some pot. Like yeah, what's up? Yeah. Come on, man. You're, you're no wonder you need a therapist. Let's let me get you some medicine right away, sir. <laughs> and he immediately, I mean, that was another reason I liked him is that he gave me the, the sweet medicine right away. Which I don't, you know. Again, I, you know, I already have to take like blood pressure medication, all kinds of shit. And I'm like, I don't need more pills to take in a day. So I was really not looking to take more. But oh, thank God, there but are pills. Thank God you did, because between that and seeing your own person and everything, you really turned a corner, and you were really doing a lot better. Yes. I mean, it's like I just keep saying to everybody, I'm like, you guys. You wouldn't stop taking your heart medicine just because you felt kind of like it was loaded or the possible side effects. You take what you need to take to be well. Yes. And the funny thing is... that's okay. That's not your fault. Everybody gets their own deck of cards that are dealt to them with regard to their health. Like, don't be so hard on yourself. And I certainly have, over the years, uh, been much more convinced about like, well, everybody's got their body chemistry. Everybody was born with certain things that are higher and lower and it's hundred yeah and sometimes it's you know the life you live and other times it's just like hey your body chemistry needs adjusting and that's just the way it is and you can fight it if you want but 
There are drugs that do things for a reason, so you should take them. So I do. I take a very, uh, I mean, if I'm, you know, being completely frank, I take a very uh, uh, minor uh, schedule of two different antidepressants. I started with one, um, the little white pill. I forget what it's called. but um, One one of them is Welbutrin, right? Welbutrin, yes. Uh, It's... uh, and a very small dose. It's just sort of enough to like just take the uh, edge off things. So I started on Welbutrin, and then I was on that for a while. I was on that for a year or so, and then I hit sort of another rough patch. And I didn't even know I had hit that one. Um, I had known basically I was depressed about the other one, but uh, I went to my individual therapist at one point, and he was like, one to ten, like how happy are you with ten being the highest?" And I was like, "I don't know, like six or seven. And he, and he kind of <laughs> and he looked at me and I and I said what nobody's like nine or ten all the time he's like yeah but it's just the way you said six or seven that makes it sound like a four <laughs> yeah it's like I don't I, I don't even think you know what you're doing here I'm giving you some more drugs and I was like ah okay and so he gave me something else. I don't remember the name of it to follow it up it's like Xanax or something like that but uh, it's also a, a minor like he had, uh, I, I guess there's uh, a school of thought where you can up the meds that you're on or you can take two different smaller doses to even it out and then you don't have to you know rely on one you know getting stronger and then maybe you know whatever your body yeah, fighting de- against it and definitely 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 talk to your doctor about any changes you think you want to make and do <laughs> not go off the meds without talking to your doctor yes. for example any doctor by the way yeah. this uh, you know the the minute i go on a new drug i i call up my regular doctor and say hey uh my psychiatrist assigned me these but the funny thing was, is actually right after my my uh, therapist had assigned me drugs and I went to my regular doctor's appointment, you know, he's going over my med schedule or whatever. And he's like, OK, so, you know, you're on this and this. And it's like, oh, yes, now I'm on Wellbutrin. And he gave me this like kind of a look. And I was like, is that bad? He's like, no, I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> Forgot about that. I kind of keep thinking about trying it. <laughs> It was a very odd point. And I was like, oh, really? And he's like, well, you know, just fatherhood and just sometimes, you know. Oh, I love that. And see, that's the thing. That's part of why we wanted to do this episode in the first place is we really, really, really want to put out the message that like both parents should be, you know, comfortable and brave enough to seek the help that they need. But I think that dads especially are not excellent at this. Yeah. We really want you to know that it does not make you less of a man. It does not well, make you does. less strong. It makes you less of a That's man. That's true. And you are a weakling. But, you it know. It makes you weak and feminine. And but, but at least you'll still be alive and married and all of those things. Well, I mean, even if that were all true, it's like, well, then I don't necessarily give that much of a shit because I'm in my 40s and like who's going to tell me like you're not much of a man anymore I'm like well uh, that's fine who gives a shit but that's part of what makes you a lovely unicorn my dear because I know that so many men do still struggle with it and they don't care how old they are they still feel like they're less of a man to seek help and that's ridiculous like you you can't help how you feel but you can help how you process your feelings yeah well again no one can no one can see from the outside that i'm on meds and you know i'm still i still look vaguely like a son of anarchy so (laughs) but you are very i love this about you that you are very frank with people about that you're very like always telling people well i'm on meds i see a therapist and i do the same thing i'm not on meds i've so so far my therapist and i have chosen that i don't need them yet so far other things work for me but that's something that um 
our my our therapist and then my therapist this year were like keeping a close eye on because we were like okay let's try other things like try your individual therapy let's see if you can really get more focused on your work and things like that and that has so far worked for me but it's something that I'm always going to keep a close eye on because they don't want to put you on meds if you don't need them if there are other ways to do them but they're also like take them if you need them there is no shame yeah so you know but but the thing is the thing I want you guys to remember too is like if you're not taking care of yourself you're putting all of that on your your spouse and on your kids right you know because the other side of that would be like if john isn't getting help then i'm taking care of both of them all the time that's <laughs> not fair you know right. and that's and that, vice versa i mean there's, yeah no that's exactly I've what i mean the, i've heard the tales of the fathers who are having to take care of the moms who should be medicated for sure it definitely happens in both directions we're talking generalizations here because it does seem like we over and over keep hearing this story of this is how it goes that the guy kind of checks out and the mom is left with everything else to do and so then they they get bitter and uh they get overwhelmed and they're not seeking the help they need to deal with that too so most of the time a lot of times what they'll do is they'll diagnose those of us who are caring for a special needs child with things like situational depression where it's just like you don't technically have like a chemistry issue going as much as you have lots of shit that have come at you which (laughs) you know technically was my diagnosis but my situation does not seem to have improved so (laughs) yeah well i think it was one of those things at first they thought it was that and then they're like oh i think you actually have this you just didn't have it severe enough to begin with until something like this happened to you right so um sometimes those things are a little bit of a gray area but i mean part of it was like there are a lot of triggers that i'm you know i'm sort of uh, the main one is of course like the general idea of having a special needs kid but i i should also maybe point out that for me it's like well a lot of the stressors were like you know related were like okay how do i balance work with taking care of a special needs child how can i be there for my special needs child when i also have to go and earn a living because we can't afford me not to right um large i mean we can talk again about this more specifically but we you know this has cost us an enormous amount of money yeah and money has always been a big stressor for me and the more that we sort of you know, we were when we got into this life, this autism life, we were uh, free of debt, free of credit card debt. We only had like student loans and like a car yeah. payment. Uh, and we were looking into buying a house. We had enough, you know, of a nest egg to buy a house. The, like the week that the preschool teacher pulled us, uh, pulled Allie aside and said, uh, you know, you might be dealing with special needs. We were putting an offer on a house. Oh, my God. Shout out to my our friend Meadow Goddard for, like, being the nicest friend ever. Because she's our <laughs> she was our realtor. And she, like, had taken us to 16,000 houses trying to help us pick the one that was right for us. We just put an offer in. And then we had to tell her. Luckily, we didn't get the offer anyway. But we had to tell her, like, we can't buy right now. And yeah. she, to her credit, went pause and then went, oh, you guys, I'm so sorry. How can I help? Yeah. What a freaking friend. It was very, very nice because we were, there was a lot of things like that that happened at that time. And it's very nice when people just go, oh, that's terrible. How can I help? Yeah. Not, hey, you're betraying the cause or whatever. Like, hey, I've spent so many weekend days trying to help you find a house. So I have every chance I get, I'm like, please see Meadow Goddard for all your real (laughs) real estate needs. (laughs) 
but yeah, we went, we went from having uh, a good amount of money to having, you know, to, to being back on the, you know, living week to week and it, it sucks, but you know, that's how it goes. Unfortunately, we but, pay- yeah, we made the decision that we were going to, you know, put everything we possibly could into helping Bethany have the best chance at comfort and happiness and all of that, that we could. And it has really worked out. She has done so much better and I'm not sorry, but yeah, ouch. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but it was an enormous stressor to just be yes. wa- looking at the bank accounts every day and watching the downward red line as a, you know, we were putting her in all these special programs and it's like, uh, I remember the days we used to have money. <laughs> yes. Those were so fun. Those well, days. and we're even fortunate that we could even do that in the first place. Most families don't even have that option. They don't have access to credit like that. They don't have access to, you know, higher paying jobs, like none of that stuff. So most families don't even get that choice, which is really unfortunate and makes us crazy. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, that also doesn't help when you're like, I should be grateful. <laughs> 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 this is awful, but I, w- I should be thanking somebody. So to like turn it into the positive, I just want to say, though, like um, obviously all of this stuff was terribly emotional and difficult and um, a minefield. But I think it's like what they tell you when you get married to begin with. <laughs> They're like, communication is key. And it sounds like a cute little like, you know, um, love is patient. Love is kind kind of th- bullshit. But it's like it's really true. And, and therapy can help you so much with making sure that you're keeping all of that stuff um, in a healthy place. And it's definitely helped us tremendously. So, yeah. And again, we, it doesn't have to be like once a week, every week for years at a time. We've, you know, gone, sometimes we've gone months in between therapy. I only see my own personal therapist like semi quarterly, kind of like once every, you know, two or three months now. Yeah. I mean, it was more often in the beginning. So while he was sort of checking on me and making sure my meds were working, but like, yeah, I mean, he basically just does sort of routine checkup work on me now. Um, we see our marriage therapist once a month now, sometimes twice a, a month if, if things are heavy. But Yeah, and uh, and so whenever we're there, we'll kind of be like, so when should we come back? <laughs> yeah. How are we doing? What do you think? <laughs> you know? Um, uh, holidays, usually they, they pick up a little bit. And <laughs> yeah, there's certain summer, you know, there's just certain things that we now know that we've been at it for a while that are kind of triggers, you know, like that are just, and usually they regard, they're in regard to like a change in routine for our daughter, which means that it's a trigger for us too. So <laughs> yes, triggers for our kids become triggers for parents. Well, yeah, because I mean, there's no, nothing that you can, nobody and nothing that you care about more than your, than your baby and trying to be there for them. So I always joke with everybody i'm like what when your kid gets diagnosed we should all just be standard issued our own therapist Mm -hmm. (laughs) like come on and i've actually started to talk to people in that are providers and be like how can we get this to improve like how do we get you guys to feel comfortable talking to parents about it because the other side is that so many of you guys when this subject is brought up um i'm hearing a lot of stories about y'all not being the nicest about it (laughs) so maybe just at least listen you know like yeah and that will encourage more providers to float that idea okay so now you've got your own therapist you're cured everything's fine your child's cured everything's fine everything's fine you don't have to worry about anything ever again no okay so now we don't like the word cured we just like to joke about it it's terrible um but okay so now you've got your uh your child on the road to uh therapy you've got a therapist of your own everything's going great but we got to talk about school folks uh ieps inclusion services whether or not to hire a lawyer how fairy ptsd do you get about this yay and we'll be talking about that next time 
Thanks for listening, everybody. If you would like to reach us, you can email us at sensoryoverloadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also go to sensoryoverloadpodcast.com, and you can see all of our links to social media. And feel free to, you know, leave comments on our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter. If you want to leave us a uh, iTunes review or a star something or other, that would be great. We'd appreciate it very much. Thank you for listening, folks. And remember, you take all that pain, you take all that anxiety, you take all that grief, and you bury it deep, as a man does. Thank you.